like a window, no window. Look at the videos, and stuff that could be you. Welcome everyone. You are now tuned into another amazing edition of Sonya on Air. I'm your host, Sonya Hudson-Payne. And how do I start off each and every single show? You guessed it. I have another great show for you. Coming up in just a few short moments, I have the amazingly talented actor and comedian, London Brown. Now, most of you, you don't even get to know these individuals by their government names because you think that what you see on screen and what you hear on the radio dial is who they are. Well, if you don't know him by the name of London Brown, let me just say Marvin from Raisin Canaan. Don't sweat your girl now. Don't act like you know me now. (laughs) Who doesn't watch Raisin Canaan? Let me tell you something. Every time the clock strikes midnight, I'm tuned in. I'm like, okay, they just uploaded it onto stars. So I definitely have to tune in so I can watch. I won't give you any spoiler alerts just in case you haven't seen it. But this is season two. The character of Marvin, it is definitely unpacking itself. We're learning a lot more about Marvin's layers. So I'm really excited to talk to London, not only about his uh, character on Raising Canaan, but he also starred on this hit television series. Well, it was a cable series that I loved, loved, loved. And um, we didn't really talk about that before, but I remember him from Ballers, HBO Ballers. And the, he was on the show one year ago to the day. And I was so excited to talk about stars and um, Raising Canaan that I totally forgot to unpack his role as Reggie on Ballers, which has been canceled, by the way. And I was totally surprised why it was canceled. I wonder if he was surprised, too. But do me a quick favor. Before we get any further and I give you the meat and potatoes of this conversation, you got to subscribe. Make sure that you subscribe to Sonia on Air, which streams across multiple platforms. If you want to find out where Sonia on Air is streaming, just go to the description section of this episode and you can find out. But you know what? People don't want to read. So let me tell you some of my streaming platforms. Sonia on Air is streaming on YouTube iHeartRadio, Pandora, Alexa, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, you name it, Sonia On Air is there. So make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you listen. Make sure you like. Make sure you leave a comment. Make sure you share and make sure you subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, also hit the notification button. That way I don't have to be in your inbox. That way I don't have to text you and say, uh, I have a new Sonia on Air celebrity interview I'm streaming. Once you hit the notification button, YouTube will alert you. You get a little ding. And then you can say, you know what? Let me stop what I'm doing and tune in to Sonia on Air. But let's just take a few commercial breaks and um, I'll be right back with Sonia on Air. Stay tuned. grocery shopping, what comes to mind? Is it answering the dreaded question, what's for dinner? 
Or I wonder what Lizzo is eating with her fine self. With carts ranging from self-care Sunday to late night dates to Lizzo's own exclusive shoppable cart, you too can select Lizzo's favorite hand-picked treats and products. Boss up like Sonya on air and Lizzo and have it all delivered to your home in as fast as one hour via Instacart. Minimum purchase of $10 or more required. Offer valid until September 30th using the special Sonya on air link. Now let's get to Instacart shopping. Style is a way to say who you are without having to speak. And that's just why you need this super dope Sonya on Air crew neck sweatshirt. Always remember, that's not your enemy, that's your hater. Shop Sonya on Air apparel today. Welcome back to Sonya on Air. So I hope that you um, shop via Instacart and that you head on over to my Sonya on Air apparel because I love it. You know, why not walk into a room making a statement? Like I said, too many people are talking and darling, we just need you to zip it, zip it, zip it, zip it. So London is going to be joining us in just a few short moments. But let me tell you, last night I went to one of the IPIC theaters here in New York City and I saw um, Woman is King. Darling, I hope I got the name right. Woman is King. Woman was all that. <laughs> Viola was all that. That's what it should be called, <laughs> because you have to go see that film. So I'm talking about it, unpacking it with my daughter. And let me tell you something. The thievery that goes on, <laughs> the, thie the thievery of it all. I'm telling you when it comes to media, television, film. Remember that, um, remember one of the Wonder Woman's. I don't know which one. One of the Wonder Woman films. I don't know, but remember they were saying that she came from Amazonia or they were Amazon women? Got that from Africa. Got that from Africa. What don't these colonizers, fluorescent beige people steal? It's just too much. But you have to go see Woman is King. It is so empowering. I just love to see women leading the narrative. Women following suit based upon what a woman said, trusting that she got this. It didn't show that she was leading with emotions. As a matter of fact, when one of the characters started to cry, and I don't want to tell you too much about the character because there's definitely a plot twist. When one of the characters started to cry, Viola Davis said, no, 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 there's no emotions when you are a warrior. You got to put that to the side because you got to be a beast. So for all of you women out there, whether you are, 10 years old, five years old, 50 like me, 60, 70, 80, 90. I need a hearing aid to be like, huh? Make sure you go to the theaters and watch Woman is King. I definitely see Oscars for this. Oscars for Viola Davis and her supporting cast. When I tell you this was something different and refreshing that I've never seen in my entire life, this is a film that you definitely need to watch. What else have I been uh, watching on television? There's just so much content out there. That was my first time back in the movie theater too after the pandemic. Like I told you, if you've been following me on my celebrity um, interviews, I don't call it a pandemic because if you didn't plan and rebirth yourself during this pandemic, bye child, bye. 
because it was the perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity. So while some of you were just wallowing in self-defeat, other people were just creating, creating, creating. I'm definitely tuned into a whole bunch of reality um, shows. As you know, I had Letitia Pearson. She was on Sonya on air last week. Amazing conversation, just talking about the evolution of love. What my focus of the conversation with Letitia Pearson was about was she dated, started dating her now husband. They're getting a divorce. When she was like 18, 19 years old, got married in her early 20s. And now she's wondering why it it's not working. Because darling, you're different. He's different. I don't encourage any female to get married in their 20s. You don't even know who you are. You're just trying to get track of your cycle. Can I get an amen in the, in the congregation? Okay. And then I'm going to pass around the collection plate because you can also donate to Sonya on Air's cash app, dollar sign, Sonya on Air. So anyway, back to London, but don't get married in your 20s. Don't do it. Don't do it. If Auntie Sonya doesn't tell you anything else, don't get married in your 20s. Don't do it. Because I'm telling you, every woman that I'm, I'm talking to nowadays, let me tell you what the narrative is saying. Their husband is walking in on a Tuesday at 8.08 p.m. He staggers in and he said, I don't, I'm not in love with you anymore. And I got a new woman and I'm moving out tonight. <laughs> just, just randomly on a Tuesday at 8.08 p.m. You know, in, in the middle, in the middle of, you know, just the woman watching Raising Canaan. <laughs> Imagine you're watching Raising Canaan and your spouse comes in and tells you that they're not in love with you anymore. Recipe for the fisticuffs, because that is what's going on in Raising Canaan. You know, this series on stars, 50 Cent, he's definitely doing something. He's so creative. I love it. I love it. I love it. I really want to see the overall development of Canaan. That's who the show is after, because if you've been watching Power, you know, Canaan is this menacing um, creature. He's not even a human being. He's this menacing creature that is just, just disrupting everything. But raising Canaan, you see Canaan as this young teenager who is so scared, child. <laughs> he is so scared. You say, boo, you're going to be like, the boogeyman. So I just want to see when he's going to own his gangster. That's what I'm waiting for. I I'm waiting for the evolution of that, the evolution of the gangster man. Because let me tell you, that's how it always starts. It always starts with those nerds. I'm telling you, it starts with the nerds who get pushed around on the playground. Who get their kibbles and bits. Oh, that's for the dog. <laughs> who get their M&Ms. They get their M&Ms stolen on the playground. You know, their juice, their, uh, juice boxes just snatched out their hands. And then one day they just say, not today, Satan. <laughs> Not today. And they just become the ultimate warrior. So I'm waiting for Kanan to become the ultimate warrior. And I think this season might be it. We might see the light switch turn on because his mother rock is giving him much more responsibilities when it comes to the street life. And Kanan is subscribing to a life of crime. Darling, I'm about to give you something. I'm about to give you something just so you can go watch the show. Darling, Rock says, I just need you to pick up the money and take it to the stash house. Can't even get 50 feet out the door. <laughs> Not enough time for the wind to hit him. <laughs> and the neighboring thugs roll up in a car. 
guns out? And they're like, first of all, give me that rope chain your friend got on and then give me your bag. And Caden's like, oh my gosh, that's where the money is in. How do you start on day one? <laughs> Five seconds into your new job and you're already getting jacked. Real easy. But Caden said, y'all not going to be sunning me out in these streets. <laughs> so Caden goes to this girl that he's seeing. He's not the, she's not the girlfriend yet. And he's like, I need a knife. And I'm screaming at the television show, how somebody jack you with a gun, but you want to bring a knife to the gunfight? I said, Keenan, he is not ready yet. And we, there's going to be a whole lot of slow singing and flower bringing in the next episode. So the mother of the girl that he's dating, sleeping with, she like, come here, baby. So we're going to sing it. Come in the kitchen. And she tells the daughter, don't, don't ever stand in the way of a man when he's trying to handle his business. I said, if this mother isn't toxic. <laughs> so anyway, she takes Canaan into the kitchen and she gives him <laughs> this ashy looking gun that looks like it hasn't been fired since the Civil War, child. <laughs> since the Emancipation Proclamation. I was saying, Katie, don't take that gun. It's going to backfire. It will shoot nothing but powder dust, honey. Don't do it. The mother's trying to set you up. But it worked. But he didn't have to fire it, though. Because I was waiting to see. I wanted to really see what that gun going to do. <laughs> that gun looked like it needed an oil change. for <laughs> So... If you haven't been watching Raising Canaan, you have to watch it. But we're going to bring London in so that he can talk about his character, Marvin, or Uncle Marvin. My daughter and I, we had this huge debate. Is, is he called Marvin, Uncle Marvin? I think both names are interchangeable depending on what the storyline is for the week. But child, Marvin, a.k.a. Uncle Marvin, he's in therapy. Just learning how to communicate using his mouth. So this season is on fire. I love it, love it, love it. Tuned in every single week. And make sure you stay tuned in to Raising Canaan. And make sure that you stay tuned in to sign you on there. But like I said, make sure you subscribe, children. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you shop using Instacart and the sign you on air special code. Make sure that you also shop sign you on air apparel. And let your clothing be the statement. Also, you can follow me on my website, www.sanyaonair.net. Make sure you follow me there. I had some thoughts in my head about the website, but I can't tell you what I was thinking about. So just make sure that you head on over to www.sanyaonair.net. So now that that is all over, because I'm excited to talk to London. So let's just bring on in London Brown. <laughs> Why did I say his name like that? <laughs> Hi, London. How are you? Can you see me and hear me okay? Yes, I can. What were you on set today? Uh, always working. N everything is nonstop. There we go. I understand the working actor. You know, I was just uh, waiting for you. Now, I went to go see uh, Woman is King with Viola Davis last night. What did you think of that? Amazing. Amazing. Like, I have to go watch it a second time. I really do. Oh, beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Do you play? 
Do you plan to go to the theater to watch it? I'm going to see you. First, I want to actually find out what the story is about. Because I've just kind of been seeing, I know she's been training for something. Um, I didn't know what the project actually was. I know she's been, in, you know, in the gym and so forth. So I'm going to try to figure out what's going on with that. But, you know, I, I try to definitely watch our projects and, and keep them going. Yeah, it was definitely worth seeing a different narrative about African women who are warriors, who lead the battlefield. It's something that I never saw before. But after I came in from the theater, it was 12 o'clock midnight. And I said, okay, Raising Canaan is now <laughs> streaming. So I have to watch that. So I saw the recent episode. Let me tell you something, London. You are doing something with the character of Marvin that, I mean, I'm just seeing the development of him. What are you doing differently with Marvin in season two that you hadn't done in season one? Uh, I'm just allowing Marvin to be, um, well, some of this is in the writing as far as him being vulnerable, but London's personal goal is to make sure that I create energy around Marvin because I'm on a show with uh, a lot of talented people. A lot of, you know, Patina has, won, has already won her Tony. Um, the Haley Kilgore, who, who plays my daughter, is uh, she performs on Broadway. Mm. Uh, Joey is a is a rapper, and he already has a lot of presence. Omar Epps has his resume. Like, and, and, and the list goes on. Like, Malcolm is an artist as, as well, outside of acting. Mm -hmm. Got um, Makai, who is also a uh, very talented lead in this project as well. So my whole thing is just to find ways to cut out a small, uh, small section for Marvin to not get lost in the sauce, as I said. You know what I mean? Because I'm around a lot of talented, dope actors. Yeah. I'm not trying to just be what people initially thought that Marvin was, which was, oh, he's just a, he's just an uncle that's eating, you know, <laughs> he's always eating and messing up. That's the first. That's the surface. That's easy to play. Right. But I'm trying to play some of the layers so that when people watch Marvin, they say, man, we don't know what we're going to get from Marvin. Yeah. He got some other stuff going on. So I'm just trying to hold uh, trying to hold my weight and, and, and hold it down. You're definitely doing that. Because as an audience member, there's an echo. I'm just trying to figure out if you're going to have a relationship with your therapist. Yeah, I think everyone, I think everyone is exci excited about that idea. You know, without giving too much away, uh -huh. I think that people are understanding that Marvin is a very charming guy. You know, he didn't, he's not going into the therapy sessions looking for a woman. But I think that women are attracted to Marvin because there is a part of him that's cool, calm, and collected. So where that's going to go, I don't really know. Because <laughs> some people think that we don't know because uh, as actors... I think some people feel like we watched the all 10 episodes or whatever it is months ahead of everybody else. It's new to us like it's new to y'all. We don't know what's going on with the storyline. We shoot out of order, so we don't really know. So we'll see what's going on. Well, yeah, because I was, I was kind of surprised to find that out that she was still filming. So I'm just like, well, she is watching it with us. So as you're watching it with the audience, what were you surprised to see? Well, 
uh, low key. I still need to actually watch the show. <laughs> I haven't really watched the show. Why? Uh, Why? I catch snippets of it um, because people send me enough memes and enough clips of them watching it, so I kind of know what's going on. I just um, I watch I, I watch Hell's Kitchen if I'm gonna watch something, uh, or uh, honestly, between that or and studying for the next episode. Like I work Monday, so when most people are watching the show Sunday night, I'm studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be ready for Monday, so uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to it. I, I do I, I did watch a little bit, so I can be ready for this interview. So <laughs> I think I kind of know something about what's going on. Uh huh. But uh, the, the the fans of the show, let me know what's what's, what's really happening. With yeah, yeah. I'm sure they will definitely let you, let you know. know. Every time Every the, time the, the show, show airs, 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 I go right I on social media, media and people are talking about, about it for a whole okay. week. So people are different. Do you have any kids? I don't have any kids. So how difficult is it or how do you prepare when you're having scenes with your on-screen daughter? Because that storyline right there, we are curious as to how it's going to develop. How do you prepare for that? You know, really, from my approach with acting is to try to be as present as I can be. Um, I don't try to convolute everything with outside ideas. I just be, let me really listen and respond accordingly and i think being present has gotten me through uh the first couple of seasons and, and like i said i don't know what it's like to have a daughter to, to have a daughter but excuse me i do know what it's like to experience pain i know what it's like to do things that i wish i wouldn't have done so i'm, I'm dealing from the foundation of that you know i don't I, you know, i'm not a i'm not finna physically be putting my hands on a woman uh, without the invite, you know what I mean? It's different because if you're dealing with a woman on a libidinous level, and that's different. But for what Marvin is doing on the show, uh, he was out of pocket, and I, I know what it's like to have moved and done things out of pocket. I know what it's like to, like, again, move impulsively. That ain't the way to go, yeah. So, yeah. My whole thing, even on my page, on my Instagram page, is always to slow down and to help people to learn to slow down and process. Like before, just reacting emotionally. Take a moment. Breathe. So infamously, people love this whole idea of being able to breathe. That was included. Don't get me wrong. The dialogue was the dialogue. But the physicality of that Sometimes people need to see to slow down and breathe so they can understand. Just take a moment sometimes. Don't always react. Marvin knows he messed he messed up. That's why he spends the whole second, you know, the second half as people come back to the show. Marvin's trying to say, listen, man. And even with his sister, she checks him. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. You was out of pocket, brother. You need to get yourself together. I was trying to respect your space. But as a as a as a sister and as a woman, you out of pocket. Yeah. And I think Marvin yeah. Marvin definitely knows that he messed up, and he's trying to rectify, you know, his situation, get it together, you know. But ultimately, it's me being present and just trying to 
realistic, the great dialogue that's written that allows me to understand what's going on. Because I, I don't know anything about domestic violence, and it's not my lane. But the dialogue is written so well. Um, between that and being present, it helps me to get through these scenes. So when it comes so to the storyline, um, you and um, your daughter, you got physical. What type of what feedback type of did you receive? Because so many people so in life like to call you as Marvin, Marvin and they don't separate, separate London. London. What feedback what did you feedback get from the, from the... You know, it depends. Um, I'm obviously we shooting in New York, so I uh, rent to all different I run into different vibes all the time. Um, I run into people who, I run into a lot of street guys who know exactly who Marvin is. You know, hey, man, hey, brother. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm Marvin. You know what I'm saying? I know what it's like to be out there. You, you, everybody don't want to give you your respect and all of that. But listen, man, I know my, you know, I get, I get those guys. I get, you know, I get the other one that's like, you're not right for him and your daughter because, like, your daughter, but well, she didn't have to go out to you. You belong for that more than you belong. I get that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, London. You're not going to talk about us New Yorkers like that. No, I'm just explaining the people that I run into. Okay. You're not right for you put your hands on your daughter like that. Like, she did nothing to you. Like, what's wrong with you? I run into a lot of different people. So it's okay. But what ultimately, what I try to explain to people is that Marvin is a very uh, complex guy who's working through his issues. You know what I mean? And I think, again, season one, people thought that Marvin was just the uncle who'd be eating and messing <laughs> up. But when they get into season two, they realize that Rock is actually leaning to Marvin for his angle and for some strength and some things to give him a lot more responsibilities. And at the end of the day, Marvin is a very loyal guy. He was there to get his brother in the burning house. He went in there. He didn't care. When everybody's talking about the car and everything like that, when his nephew was possibly being, not possibly, but when his nephew was endangered, Marvin didn't care about the, the fancy Mercedes Benz. He went in there to save his brother. Yeah. He yeah. retaliated against Nick when he came, when he found out Nick was the guy responsible for potentially taking out his brother. So when people understand Marvin on a core level, they understand it like, yo, Marvin is not perfect, but he's, he, he, he loves his family. Yeah. He's yeah. He, he'll, he'll be there. Sometimes he'd be there to a fault. Like he might not even know, he, he, he may not think about the end results. All Marvin know, at least in season one, going into season two, he got to be there. He got to represent. Yeah. Through therapy. Because, yeah. you know, and especially with all the the high interests of uh, dealing with mental health, Marvin, even though it was court ordered, mm -hmm. you know, Marvin is realizing that, yo, okay, I didn't want to be in this, getting this anger management stuff going, but, yo, since I've been here, I've actually learned some things. I'm learning. I'm learning to slow down. Yeah. yeah. To process. To breathe a little bit. It's not going to end everything, but at least he's taking a moment to slow down and to say, you know what? Let me, let me breathe. Let me. I don't have to retaliate. This brother rolled up on my foot. 
<laughs> and sometimes that's all people need it's just to at least be aware that listen you ain't I got a post about this which is everything isn't worth fussing about yeah. something you gotta yeah. let just let go somebody cut you off in a lane let and we know people, people are so sensitive as far as emotionally triggered we, we we're seeing as we, on Instagram you can we're finding young rappers and different people passing away Peace be upon them. Sometimes we gotta just slow down and say, "Yo, is it worth it?" Yeah, we yeah. got plenty of things to fuss about, but is it worth fussing? Is it worth our time and energy? And if it's not, it's it. As we mature emotionally, we're able to let things kind of blow over and say, "You know what? That person cut me off, but it's okay. I'm a, I'm gonna own my peace." Because people are out here. They wake. It'd be seven. You, some, you, you may have experienced this. It'd be seven in the morning. People wake up mad. Like, Why are you mad? Yeah. <laughs> seven in the morning. They they haven't they haven't discovered that sort of inner peace to let things go. I don't mean to be verbose about this. No, no, no. I love it because I think people need to really talk about the trauma that exists in this world. There's so much trauma. I mean, you open up your social media page or as soon as you walk out your front door, you're bombarded with all of these images. It's just too much and it's overwhelming. And I was going to get to this much later, but I'm going to jump into it now because I'm really interested in the person, you know, not the character. And I'm always tuned into, well, I wouldn't say always, but sometimes your white tea talk on Instagram. What made you start just spreading messages out to your, your community instead of posting about your show? You know what? Uh, I, I, was, I was doing these breakdowns about life. Um, about human behavior and psychology and that sort of thing, but I was sharing them on my stories. And what I realized is that when I put them on the story, they disappear. But people were still raising these questions in my DMs or when I went to them in person. And in addition to that, I was always being told, London, you got to create some content. You need to be sharing more because I wasn't really posting mm-hmm. and sharing anything. I would just go live, I would share my story. And I realized that my voice is in my breakdowns, mm-hmm. which is my, I have friends who do voiceovers. So shout out to Tony Baker, my, my, my buddy. Um, I have friends who do sketches. Uh, you know, my, my guy Reggie. Uh, it's just a lot of different people who do their social media with a lot of comedy and different things. For me, uh, that's not, I didn't feel like that was my lane. I didn't know what my voice was. But I discovered my voice being in the fact that I do these breakdowns. And so as opposed to trying to create content in these special ideas, I realized that I am the content. Right. Like my, <clears throat> what I'm sharing is coming from a very um, grounded place of truth. And so a lot of people, especially young black men, they don't have a father sometimes they don't have a father. They don't have an older brother. They don't have an OG, someone around them to help them explain life. Yeah. So they're going around moving through life nefariously and just moving. And no one, no one has ever said, yo, no one's ever slowed Marvin down, if you will. They say, yo, sir, wait, there's a better way to move. Don't move like that. Don't calm down. So 
with my breakdowns with these white tea talks, they come they came out of a place where I just wanted people to be aware of some things that I didn't know. I had to learn some of the stuff out of my twenties. Yeah. And, and going through bad relationships, going through moving young and immature. And like, yo, y'all don't have to move like this. Right. Let me break this stuff down. For example, when I talk about, there's one I talk about as far as, uh, I mean, there's a couple of different things. Okay, here's, here's a simple one. A lot of times, we'll get on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I know where you're going. We, we, we get on the phone, and some people don't know they talk too much. <laughs> right? Now, my advice to them, or my suggestion, is to create what I call an out. Yeah. Meaning, if, you, if you're on the phone, sometimes when you pick up the phone, you, you call somebody, one of the first things that I always do is say, yo, how you doing? All right, all right, good morning, good morning. Hey, do you have a couple minutes? It allows the person to say, yo, I've got a couple right. minutes. Or if they run into the gym, they run into the bank, they say, yo, hit me later. I start <laughs> off that way. This way, the other person on the other end don't have to feel bad about not yeah. getting them off. I give them an out and say, yo, man, this got to come in. Or, it, or even after talking, let's say, for an hour, I say, listen, man, I know you got the rest of your day. Go, go to your day. And I give them the out. This way, the person says, oh, no. Um, no, we can, we can keep talking, man. I'm, I'm just at the I'm at the house, man. I got some time. Or they just say, "Yo, you know, I do. I gotta go pick up my son from daycare." Right, right. So, but a lot of people don't think. Yeah, like this. Yeah. You know, I started laughing as you were saying that because I'm guilty. I'm gonna ask that question. Like, do you have a few moments? Because let me tell you what my out is. If I'm on the phone and I'm ready to hang out. Oh, I can't hear you. There's a bad connection. And I just keep That's what I'm saying. Now, see, what I'm saying, exactly. So people, that's, now we start going into those kind of deceitful things, which <laughs> we all been guilty of. We, we added the reception. We had the call dropped. And we said, what I'm saying is like, listen, when somebody's talking too much, you see, it's not on us because what you, what you did, you're the person, what I would like to call, you're the victim on the phone. You're the person that's like, yo, it's my friend. I know they want to talk. <laughs> when I'm when I'm in, when I'm breaking down, it's for the other person to okay. say, okay. your friend. I would have told her when she was on the phone with you. I would have said, listen, give her an out. What you mean? Let her create a space, a gap in this conversation that allows your friend to leave if she needs to leave. It, because some some people will say, they say, listen, London. You know, if I want to be on the phone like that, I just, I, I say, I got something to do. I got to go. I'm like, sometimes you have conversations. Right. You can't get off the phone with people that quickly. If it's your moms, your grandmoms, if it's a mentor, if it's your kids, sometimes you can't get off the phone like that. So a polite way for people giving the call is to create an out. Yeah. I, yeah. Too, I don't need to be vociferous about this. I get way too passionate. About these, these breakdowns, <laughs> I understand that people don't get it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but I love it because. Okay, no more. I love it because, like, I'm always trying to teach my friends. Like, I have a business schedule. Like, I even had to call them between the hours at 4 p.m. and 12 p.m. No bad news. No bad news. No bad news. 
That's Which, I, I have to break down about that. Some people wake up, yeah, call you with negative energy. I have to slow people down and say, "Listen, and whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> not today." <laughs> not I mean, I just said I got fired from my job, man. But we're not doing that over here. Right, right. We starting the day off positive, strong. Yes, yes. People must look, look. The mind must bring forth that which consistently occupies it. As Dr. Johnson says, so many people, they start off and they focus on the negative. Yeah. yeah. Neg- I'm like, listen, when you get a negative thought, slow down, mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and say, what positive things do I want to come out of this? Yeah. But people, yeah. They, they can't see the positive. No. So no. The conditioning, negative, negative, negative. Uh, this is not working out. This rain in today. My car don't work. Hold on. Yeah. Your car yeah. don't work. Let's slow down. You have a car. Right, right. It may not be as new, but you got a car. It's raining outside. Where are you looking at the weather from? My apartment. You have a place to stay. Right, right. These are the, the small things of life that people just tend to negate. We yeah, focus on yeah. The negative. And I try to eradicate those things from my mind. Now, I'm a work in process. I'm not perfect by any means. We all are. We all are. I think that it's not being a working process once you close your eyes and your head. Boom. You know? But I also want to talk about another one of your messages on your white talk. We talked about trauma word or triggering word. Like rest in peace. Oh, yeah. That's a trigger currently. Or even when people ask, didn't you have a good day yesterday? Like, if like you haven't gone to the funeral home to pay the funeral home or made sure that the makeup was okay or the clothes were okay, okay, like, the conversation needs like to be a little bit more dumb. And I was glad that you brought that up. Talk about that. Yes, let me, so let me humbly give a major shout out to David Arnold. Yes, he yes. Was a, comedi- a comedian in Cleveland, I believe. Um, Cleveland, Ohio. He was a teacher. He was what I like a, just a guru of comedy, and he passed away <clears throat> about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the comedy community, it was very difficult for us. It's very rough for us. Now I'm gonna be. I'm gonna just try to be cool. Let's speak about David Hart. Mm-hmm. It's good. He was a good guy, you know. And so, with <clears throat> with David Arnold, what I realized is this: a lot of times, people are really quick to say, you know, uh, "Rest in peace" or "Rest in heaven," and I get it. Those saying and those words are traditionally. <clears throat> what people say uh, because that's what we've been conditioned to say and we're just trying to show our love and appreciation for the person you know and but what I realized because I lost my brother in 2015 I lost my younger brother he was gunned down you know he was shot down in the streets 14 times and all of that wow. stuff now this is public that's why I don't feel no type of way about sharing it's already out there but what I realized is that a lot of times people will say things 
and not understanding the impact of words. That's why I love words, you know, and that's why I'm always trying to speak positively and and push those things because I understand the impact of words, especially as a stand-up and as an, an, an artist. What people aren't understanding, I'm not, I'm, I'm, again, I understand that people say rest in peace because they're trying to show love and respect to the, the, the person that has transitioned. But my breakdowns are just to show a different angle to how we go about through life. So the point of that particular post um, is this, which is, and I lost my, I lost my, my friend, Teddy Ray, a comedian out of South Central LA. He was about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And there was an, uh, another comedian who passed away before that. This is all within like a month. What I'm saying is this. Before we, before we're so, before being so quickly to say, rest in peace, a sorry for your loss, and that sort of thing, slow down and process and consider how the other person or how the family is grieving through these times. When I lost my brother, I remember going on Facebook and everybody, all the words were, rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace. And you read a whole blog, a whole page of rest in peace. And what I remember feeling for me and some of my family members was the, all that rest in peace stuff served as a reminder yes. that yes. my brother wasn't coming back. Yes. Every time yes. you read the words and you see the things coming up, and I know a lot of people are not thinking about that stuff because they ain't been on the other side of it. Right. All right. I know is, it, and I'm not judging anybody because I understand. I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people haven't been able to, in some situations, they haven't lost anybody significantly, uh, significantly close to them. Mm -hmm. They lost mm -hmm. some friends from work. They lost some co-workers. They lost some relationships and some family members from over there. Right, right. I, I'm not saying I understand your pain, but I understand how people can be hurt. Right, what right. I'm saying is totally different. When you lose somebody that is the, they are responsible for why you are in existence today. When you lose a mom, you lose a brother, somebody you live with, you, you've grown up with. When you have to deal with the funeral arrangements, <laughs> as I broke, as I've broken down on my page, it's not the same thing. When you just, because so a lot of people, and no disrespect, a lot of people have gone, they've gotten the call, they say, man, I lost my loved one, and they show up to the funeral. Right. They, they, they pick out their outfit, they go grab a, they go grab a, a, a croissant sandwich and some orange, some coffee, some orange juice, and they show up and they show, and they do what's called, they show respect, they're there, they share, may shed a tear or two, and then after that, they go, later on that day, they go to the barbecue, they, I'm saying, I understand you feel some stuff, but as someone who has dealt with the poor yeah. pain, different. I'm the guy because my mother wasn't in the position necessarily to set up everything. I said, Mom, let me carry 
the burden that you have losing your son. I got you. What we got to do? All right, mom, I'm going to go. Let me go meet with the church and put the payment down. My stepfather wasn't even, my stepfather wasn't solid enough to deal with the passing of his son. Mm. So I got to go look at the body, make sure yep. the suit is right. I got to go pick out the suit from the suit outlet. I'm the guy, me talking, shout out to my friend, Meek, unique out of Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't, I didn't, I only, actually, I met her once. She came to a comedy show of mine. But we met before that. I forgot what, maybe she, I don't know how we even met on Instagram. But she was the one I sat, or I spoke with to arrange the, the photos and the obituary. We hadn't even met at that point, I don't think. And we just exchanging information. I'm sending her, I'm emailing her the photos. I said, put that picture right there. I want the basketball theme. I want this, I want that. I'm the guy making sure things are ran. I'm the one who has to sit in the front row. Right. My sibling. So a lot of people don't understand that. So when I, not to be verbose about this again, but understanding that a lot of people sometimes, they don't see the other side of these angles or these topics that I talk about. I'm not saying that I don't have that kind of ego to say that the London way is the only way it ain't about, I, it's not about, I would never be that self-aggrandizing. I'm just simply here to put, to pr propose an idea and say, listen, I know you have it your way. Let me give you another angle to possibly consider and say, yo, because what I realized, even as I went through, as I shared that post, a lot of people were able to, under, to identify with what I was saying, which is, Man, when you lose somebody close, when you lose a son, you lose a brother, you lose not or, or a best friend, when you lose somebody that close, your perception of life, mm -hmm. time, the world, your relationships, and how you deal with people changes. So now, after my brother, losing my brother was very devastating. What are the positives, though? Going back to what we talked about earlier, being able to see the positives. I became a way much more empathetic person. Mm -hmm. I care about how other people feel and my impact on our connection when I engage with them. Am I making, when people leave me, do they feel uplifted? Do people feel progressive? Do they feel inspired? You know, when I, when I think about homeless people, you know, uh, or I think about those who are destitute, what can I do when I leave them to make them feel seen and heard in different things? It's not, we don't have that kind of time. And losing my friend David Arnold, it, he was just on the, he was finally getting the recognition that he deserved for all the hard The comedians, we knew how dope he was. We was around him. We were students of him and everything else. The world didn't know, but everybody around David and his kids, shout out to Julie and his kids, we all knew mm -hmm. about how dope David was. The world was just coming around to understanding what we've been new 10, 15 years. We already knew mm -hmm. David was the guy. He was a comedian's comedian and everything else. So. When we had those kind of, with that kind of loss, 
it really just wakens your heart up and you say, man, we don't know how long we're here. So let's live life impactfully. Let's make sure that we're, when people leave us, they're better. David made, he was so humble to just teach us what comedy was, what it, what it is to be a writer, what it is to craft jokes, be a solid person, redeem yourself, as he mentioned in his special, doing drugs, and then coming out on top and being a family man with his, and being a great father and a great man. You have to be, first of all, you have to be a secure guy to even share mm-hmm. knowledge. He's a very secure guy. He never was funny acting. Mm-hmm. So with me and the people I know, he didn't have to teach us how to write and craft jokes. He could have just been selfish and, and been bitter, one of these bitter comedians. And, and never, but we, everything that starts to happen to him, when you look, when you think about it, it was because he was, he was so given. It was his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm so humbled and uh, uh, I, to even just to have known David Arnold and to be a student of his and to be able to call him. And so, how connecting that loss to the tra- the, the, the the loss the losses that I've been able I've experienced is that ultimately we got to figure out what what are we doing here. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, it, things need to count. And so with my white tea talks, circling all, to bring it back around, my white tea talks are to help people hopefully be progressive on some sort of level within their lives so that if they can't say they didn't know. If you ever, if you connected with London, when you leave or you disconnect, mm-hmm. you say, you know what? I spoke with London, but I, I, I did learn something. Yeah. I was yeah. better. I did see life in a different kind of a way. I went, I stopped by his page. I didn't agree with everything he said, but I did. I, it, he did at least challenge me to look at life differently. Yeah, yeah. You've definitely yeah, done Just to give you your flowers, just about how your kind of has inspired me, especially with that. I don't know if you realize, but this is the one year anniversary of when you were on my show my first time, and I just suffered the loss of my mom. And her, and birthday, her was birthday was the other day. day. And I was going to go on social media and wish her a happy birthday. And I said, no, I, I can't do no, Because I know it's going to be a trigger. Everyone's going to comment, rest in peace, rest in peace. And it's going to be a reminder. And I don't think that people understand that those would be triggering words for me. Because I had to go to it. I had to pick out her makeup. I had to pick out her outfit. I had to pick out what photo was going to be on her program. I had to pick out who was going to eulogize her. So they don't understand that those traditional words that we are conditioned to automatically say, it can be triggers for people who are real in the trenches going process. So your post is a reminder for me, oh, he understands that those are triggering words. I just wanted to say thank you for that. But also, but also as a comedian, do you feel, do you feel that you're getting your flowers? flowers? You know, uh, do I feel I'm getting my flowers? Uh, to a degree. Because, for example, uh, when I walk the streets, part of the reason that I give the shout-outs that I give out is because I appreciate people. People ain't got to talk to me. I don't expect people to talk to me, for sure. So when 
people say, yo, Uncle Marvin or Reggie, whatever they call me, they know me from. It's very humbling for me because I know, again, people ain't got to talk to me. So I try, excuse me, as, as often as I can, I try to take a couple moments to speak to people. And even when, even when they talk to me, I, I'll go out of my way to say, let's do the photo. Let's come on, bring bring it on in. Come on, nice, I nice. and I connect with people because I understand that. I know. I, I, let me give you this quick story. Um, I remember I was doing some press. I was doing some press in D.C. a couple years ago, and uh, I was. I've always been a, a fan of Robert Glasper. Robert Glasper is a talented musician writer, composer, and everything else, you know, and he's the music guy behind a lot of people, you know, behind the, the Commons, the most Dev, the Talibs, the Erica Badu, the Jill Scott, and everybody else. He's somewhere, he's always involved with that, that what people coin as like the neo-soul thing. He's just a talented jazz musician, and musician, period. I don't even want to say anything wrong about him. I had a chance to meet Robert Glasper, um, a few years ago, and um, I found out he was doing, he was performing the same thing I was doing press with, and it worked out. I was able to meet him, and when I met him, I remember as busy as he was during that show. He had two shows. I met him in between shows. He took that time to speak to me and acknowledge me, and it wasn't like, oh, you, you, you like my music? Oh, okay, thanks, thanks. You want to take a picture? It wasn't quick. It wasn't rushed. We didn't spend a lot of time, but we spent enough time, and he made me feel seen and heard. Yeah. I know what that feels like to be on that side because I thought he was dope anyway. But when I met him, everything I thought he was, he was. I said, <laughs> so, to the point where by the time we ended the conversation, I, I just knew that we was connected, very humble and just grounded and just under, just, we spoke the same language. And so I come to find out that I was a fan of his, but he was a fan of mine. He watched uh, my HBO show at the time. He watched Ballers and it was that connection. So I'm saying that to say that this, when I meet people, I know what it feels like to just want to be seen, heard and acknowledged. So I tried to slow down Back to my, my thing, I try to slow down the process. And when I meet people, I want people to feel that thing mm -hmm. that I felt when I met Robert Glasper. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. said, man, just taking some time to, so when you asked if I got my flowers, there's a part of me that feels like I have because when I run into people on the street and they say, it's been, I run into you know, the veterans in the hood that watch the park, no man, y'all, Jay. <laughs> Man, we playing that part that was me. <laughs> and that's a woman. If she's been in the hood, she's been in the hood. A woman named Geraldine. Right. I know what it's like to, you know, I've been in the hood. You know, and she tells me, and, and different people in the hood, I, run, I, was in, I was in Times Square the other day, and I'm running to people. I'm running to old, old white women, <laughs> Indian people, and, and, and black and all different nationalities. And say, yo, oh my gosh. And when they meet me, because people, a lot of times, people think they see me as a celebrity. So they don't know what they're going to get. 
Right, right. They're so used to people acting funny. And uh-huh. I think all time, uh-huh. a lot of times, when pe- when you run into people and they, in, in the industry and they're acting weird, the, the industry necessarily wasn't, a lot of times, isn't what made them that way. They was already weird or, or funny acting mm-hmm. before they got mm-hmm. there. You know, money only amplifies what we... we what was already there. Was already there. So, but the, the, being on TV and and having having making a little money, that stuff don't make me. I always like to when I meet people, I like to eradicate all of that and say, who are we on the inside? Right. Of course. Like what who, what is our character like outside of all the titles, mm-hmm. money, and, and the tangible things, monetary ideas? Who are we at our core? Mm-hmm. That's who I'm trying to connect to. So when I meet people. And they say, yo, man, I, I like your work. Can I get a photo? Please come over here. Nice. Let me embrace you. When we connect, you feel my energy towards you, my appreciation for you. So to, do I feel like I got my flowers? I feel like I, I have gotten some flowers. But I also feel like I'm, I'm, I've been slept on. You know, or I'm being slept on. And it's okay. I don't mind that. I've been slept on forever. I'm, that's why with this show... And with every scene, I'm trying to make everything count. Yes. So you, when people, they say, you know, at the end of the day, they say, you know what? Every time we, we engage with him or, or, or when we watched him or whatever, we felt something. You know, I'm not saying everybody got to agree with me. I'm not saying everybody going to like me. I'm not saying people haven't had bad engagements with me. But at the end of the day, they're going to remember me. At least that. That's, that's all I'm going for. I, and I don't ever want to do anything to embarrass my mother. I hear that. That's <laughs> the real core. What would my mama say is always in the back of my head because we don't want to embarrass that. I just can remember being in elementary school. And if they told me that my mother was coming up to the school, I just imagine her walking down the hallway, that walk and that look on her face because I already knew what was coming. So I never. Right on, right on. My mama. But, you know, I was so happy to see you on Raising Canaan because I was a fan of yours as Reggie on Ballers. Um, that was canceled after six seasons. And I was just like, why? Because I was an avid fan. Wait, let me say, it, it, let me be clear. It wasn't canceled. Okay. It wasn't canceled because we were still number one on HBO. Yes. Dwayne, they just decided to not continue it. Like, oh. Canceled is different. Canceled is low numbers. Right. Uh, Statistically, he wasn't doing well. No, okay. no, no. It was, it was doing well. I think ultimately, what I think is my personal opinion, I think that Dwayne was just too busy for it, low key mm-hmm. at the time. You know, but it was still, it wasn't canceled. It was doing it. We I'm glad well. that you cleared that up. Because I really saw the chance. I said, wait a minute, we're doing it every week. What's going on? I know, I know. We, we could have gone for another Yeah. I love that show. Because your character, Reggie, like, we love to hate him in the beginning of. The seasons, but then that very last season, we saw his growth and we wanted to see more. So, you make perfect sense of why this show never came back. We're gonna bring Dwayne Rock to what you're saying. That that's always my goal when I work on a project is to evolve characters to take them from even though like, it was important that people didn't like Reggie in season one, mm-hmm. I need to do something that was gonna cause some ruckus or some energy around Bob, uh, around Fat Reggie so that he would stick around. Because yeah. Reggie was only supposed to be around for a couple episodes. Oh. One of the episodes 
of ballers. But through the audition and creating some energy, they decided to make Reggie a, 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 a leading character as well. And I stayed on for all five seasons. Nice. But initially, we weren't supposed to be there that long. But it, again, this goes back to trying to create uh, characters with layers. Mm-hmm. So, and even though he was like the leeching friend in season one, by season five, he became res- more responsible, yes. started taking on a more leadership role in trying to get his stuff together for his boy. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm always into is trying to create layers um, of these characters so that people can grow with them and they can it, it keep the, the characters interesting. It's how I approach it. We love it. We love it. So you said that you've gotten some of your flowers, but we know that this culture will give you your flowers and then take it away. How do you feel about cancel culture? You know, ultimately, as far as the cancel culture, people are fickle anyway. People are always vacillating between how they want to feel about you, depending on how you make them feel. Mm. At the end of the day, I can't be looking towards people for any sort of validation, gratification, or affirmation. I, I, my trust is in God. I don't. I can't. People are people. Right. People have let me down. They didn't know they let me down. I learned this lesson. <laughs> When I was, I remember when I, I learned this lesson, I was like 13, 14. There was a guy from my church. He said, shout out to Kyber. If Kyber ever sees this, and then he, he you know I'm talking about him very clear. My guy, Kyber, was a guy who went to my church. He said, you're graduating. You got, got your eighth grade graduation. I want to go pay for you to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, thanks. Because even when my mother couldn't afford no hair, I wasn't the, I wasn't the kid who had a haircut every week. My mother got it once a month, maybe, something. So this guy was like, yo, I'm going to pay you to get your haircut. I was like, all right, great. So I remember this was like on a Tuesday. He said it on a Sunday. He said on Tuesday, we'll, you know, get your haircut. I get out of school on a Tuesday, middle school, 2.30, whatever it was. And then I'm looking, I'm like, okay, 3 o'clock. I'm like, okay, you still got some time. 4.30. I'm like, okay, the, the, the barbershop won't close in a minute. Uh-huh. 7.30. I'm like, oh, shoot. The barbershop is closed. I got eight. Having a haircut for important events for black people is a real thing. Well, first, yeah. having hair together is a thing. So I'm like, man, the barbershop closed. I got graduation tomorrow. Everybody going to have a haircut except me. I took the initiative to uh, cut my own hair. You know, it was it was a bowl cut. I didn't really know what I was going to put a belt around my head. A belt, you know, whatever haircut I had looked like I cut my haircut blind, Uh, or in the dark, (laughs) the blind. I look like I cut my hair in the dark. You put it that way. So, the lesson in that though was one: sometimes can you can't depend on people. I put all my trust in it. When I was 13, I was going to get a haircut. He didn't come through. Oh, so I was hurt by that. I was hurt by him. I was hurt by that. But, again, finding the positive in that was from that, I said, I'm never going to put my situation in the hands of somebody else. I'm going to learn to cut my hair. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, whenever I want to get fly, I have the ability to, mm. to cut my hair at that point. And I learned how to cut my hair and I started cutting hair and everything else. 
So I'm not mad at him for that because I got my life lesson out of that. Going back to your question, though, again, my I don't reside in people. Mm. People are always fickle. They're always in some space of ambivalence about how they're going to deal with you. Depending on how they woke up, they're going to teach right. you something based on their own insecurities. They're going to be dealing with you in some weird roundabout way. It's cool. I know what people are. I know how people, where they are and how they are. I stay back. I let people do what they do. And I function on my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So whether people are up and down, that's cool. Be you. Our reputation is based on our consistency. So at the end of the day, when my friends look at me, God forbid anything happened to me, they would say, you know what? London was very consistent. Right. We didn't like him. We didn't agree with him. We, whatever, so, you know, he was always, he was always him. He was always very grounded. He was always in his truth. Mm-hmm. I don't care if people like what I'm wearing or how I'm doing. You can always say London did the London thing. He did it his way. Right, right. And that's what I, at the end of the night, you know, we got to be able to sleep. We got to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? Was I honest to myself? Right, right. I know there are people in this world who felt like I, they, they didn't like the choices I made with them and in, in, in different things. But London Brown got to look at self in the mirror and say, was I true to myself? Mm-hmm. Was I, for me, you know what I mean? Outside of being anything religious or anything, London, what, do, I know that people have had, I've, I've heard people's feelings along the way. But I know when I look myself in the mirror. You can live with yourself. I know where my heart is. I, I'm not out here trying to be vindictive. That's why I never understood guys like when they upset with a woman or when a woman's upset with a man, they want to go be vindictive. They want to key the car. They want to burn the clothes up, bleach the clothes up. If I don't disagree with something that a woman's doing or, or anybody, something, I know in my heart. Yeah. I'm yeah. a mean person. I'm not that kind of a guy. I don't feel like if a woman don't like me, or somebody don't like agree with something that I, I have to say, I gotta be mean. I don't like mean energy. That's right. not a proclivity. Right. I don't come from that. You know what I mean? Um, that's just not my vibe. So, with at the end of the day, I don't care what people say. I know me. So I'm able to say, man, I I, I wasn't trying to be funny acting with you. If I didn't speak to you, I probably really didn't see you. I had yeah. bad eyes growing up. You know, uh, you know I, I was in my own head. I was thinking about whatever. I don't function in a negative space. And so I try to be that person. I try to be very solid with myself first before I try to be that with anybody else. So, you know, I get too excited about these questions. So go ahead. Go. I don't, no, more go ahead. <laughs> no, because I want to ask you just about the comedic space and, and just for opinion, opinion on, on the topic. topic. That is really and I kind of have an idea of what you're gonna say because you're all about about I just want your opinion on this. How do you feel about Aries Spears fiasco? What I feel about that situation is sometimes we, we make these choices at the time because for whatever reason, we, we have an idea of we have an idea about what we're doing. 
at, at the time mm-hmm. and where we are mentally, it makes sense for that time. That time. That time. But now as we grow and as we move forward, as we level up, we look back on a lot of things. We say, you know what? Maybe that maybe that wasn't the best move. You know, but at the time, your perspective, your spectrum on things, it makes sense. But we all grow and we all level up. I shouldn't say we all grow and level, we all level up. We want to. Mm-hmm. Most of us mm-hmm. want to grow. I can say that we, we, we do, but most of us want to, because some people don't grow. Some they don't. They exactly don't. where they are. They like it there because that's where it's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. But for those who want to be progressive, we, we make these choices and we say, you know what? There's two things when, when we make mistakes or when we do things that we probably should, shouldn't do. We either when, when we don't learn the we don't when we don't learn life lessons. Let me let me try to some stuff so can be a nice sound bite for okay. you. Or okay. you when we do things, when we make mistakes and so forth, well, if we don't gain the life lesson that we're supposed to gain from these things, they'll double back in a circle around. Mm-hmm. So when we go through these things, we say, was that progressive for me? Did that, did that move me forward? Was, did that lead me to my end goal or not? And if it didn't, we have to say, okay, well, why did it? What caused that situation to put a roadblock in front of me why didn't i get the lesson we we got to self-reflect and be self-aware to self-reflect and say okay you know what that wasn't a move now looking back i realized that probably wasn't the best move with in whatever we do we say okay i got my lesson i'm probably i'm probably going to approach that situation differently moving forward mm-hmm. and then we grow so to sum up your question, which is this, life will give us lessons. How we, what we do with those lessons determines our progression mm-hmm. or our stagnant state. And so with anything that I've done that may not have been the best move, I try to learn what I need to learn so that I don't have to repeat those lessons again because those lessons are hard to deal with or they can be. So that's my answer to that. I got it. You know, as you were talking, I said, okay, what's the lessons in what he's saying? So years ago, about 20 years ago, I came up with the acronym for life, which is lessons intended for empowerment. Right. So now as you were talking, now I'm going to do whenever I'm about to do something or say something, I'm going to slow down the process and ask myself, is this progressive enough to move me in the direction of my end goal? That's it. That's is we as people we, we complicate life, but it has to be that which is slow down. Slow down. Like I said, does this does this action does it does it help me get to where where I'm trying to go? Yeah. If it doesn't, it's not saying it's not to say throw it all away. Hold on, some things you got to throw away. Just put it to the side. But a lot of people don't even have the discipline to focus on what it is they want. And discipline is everything. Everybody talk about, you know, motivation. Motivation is emotional. It's up and down. Mm -hmm. If I went to the gym or if I focus on my craft or my artwork, 
as an artist based on if I felt like doing it or if I was motivated to do it, it wouldn't get done. There, pl there are plenty of reasons yeah. to not move forward between bad, especially if in New York, between bad weather, <laughs> you know, if you, between co-workers' attitudes, between weight gain loss, between people transitioning and, and, and death and, and, and your grades and your, your education, how you were raised and the um, injustices of the system. With all of that, at the end of the day, you got to tap in and say, yo, what's my end goal? Mm. And making sure everything lines up with that. We have to do something every day that puts us closer to where we want to be. You know what I mean? Ain't no, there's no, but that takes discipline. Mm -hmm. Dr. Johnson describes it, the ability to do what we need to do, you know, the things that we got to do, that we need to do, that has to be done, whether we like it or not. It's not about if you feel like it. It's not about if you want to do it. Do you have the discipline yeah. to say, I don't, I don't feel like doing this, but I know it got to be done. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? And that's the separating factor between those who are progressive and those who aren't. Everybody got no discipline. They damn sure don't. <laughs> and I meant that damn. <laughs> they damn I it. it sounded very black. I like how you said it. It was very black. It sounded like that Geraldine New Yorker smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I felt what you said about that. <laughs> but you keep mentioning a Dr. Johnson. What Dr. Johnson are you talking about? Are you talking about Dr. Umar Johnson? I love Umar Johnson. See, we on the same page. I know. <laughs> I know, absolutely. And, and, and I try to acknowledge I try to acknowledge him and, and I say I use his last name because sometimes be, you know, I'm trying to keep things from being flagged and, and different things and just, I know. But I mean I, I just I respect his I respect his words. Me too. His, his angle and everything. So I, I, I get it, man. I get it. Me too. As I took, I, my, I took whole my whole family, family to, to um, visit my mom's cemetery yesterday, and the whole two-hour ride, I had Dr. Umar Johnson playing on my phone. <laughs> oh, y'all gonna get this? Yes, you gonna get this work? But when you after you listen to a lecture and different things, you be like, it just be like again, it just grounded. And and one thing I like about. Even if people, even I understand that some people can't handle how he says it. What at the end of the day, you, you there at least for me, there's some some grounded things that mm -hmm. I leave when I say, "Yo, I get exactly." Yeah, I do. I know everybody don't get it, but <laughs> London Brown gets it. I understand. I said, "Yo, man, that's very solid, man." I I, I get his angle for yes, sure. I get yes, it. Me, too. me too. But just but one just final, final thing because we do have to have this conversation. conversation. In your, in best, your best Marvin, Marvin voice, voice, tell my tell audience my why they should why be they tuned in to raise your every single every week. Oh, Marvin voice. You know, I think, you know, I think everybody should be watching this show because it's really good. You know what I mean? My, the way Patina does a good job and, and Joy, Haley, Makai, Malcolm, Omar and everybody else. I think you guys should watch the show because you're gonna enjoy it as long as you slow down and you breathe, yo. You gotta breathe, you gotta breathe out here. 
Yes. <laughs> I love it. London, thank you so much for trusting my podcast once again and blessing me with your energy. I am sending you blessings to you and your family. Thank you for your courage and your life lesson. I'll be tuned in to paint it, especially your white people, because you get it, brother. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we worked it out and figured out. I had, I knew I had to talk to you. I knew it, and it's even better because I didn't even know we had. I didn't know you were the same person. I but one of the one gonna lie. I said, "Oh yeah, I definitely remember her." I didn't even know from my messages that you, you, we had connected the year before. So I'm so glad we worked it out. Yes, it's, yes. It's, it's, it was great. It's always great talking to you. So thank you, kind. Yeah, yeah. I just trusted the process. I still was out, and I knew it was gonna happen. Take care, London. Thank you. And tag me to the stuff so I can repost it and all that good stuff. I will. Bye-bye. I appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it, London Brown. When I tell you, I knew, let me just give you some backdrop about this. As you can, uh, as you heard um, from the, at the onset of this conversation, they're still filming. They're still filming Raising Canaan. And um, he's on set right now. And we kept booking this interview or this conversation. Something kept happening. Um, I was in the studio last week, just all, all set to go. <laughs> Did not happen. I didn't even think it was going to happen today. I'm in the studio and I said, okay, he's a little bit late. But I trusted the process. And just like he said, slow down. Just slow down. Um, I'm intentional with the energy that I put out there in the universe because I want it to return back to me. I claim that. I believe that. I own that. So it was inevitable for us to have this second conversation a year to the day, um, the first time that London blessed my show. So for him to agree to a second conversation, I'm definitely supporting him. Um, he is one of those actors and comedians that you definitely need to be following. We most wholeheartedly need to raise him up. We don't want him to be another uh, talent where we're giving him his flowers and we're posting all on social media. Oh, yeah, I remember when he did this or when he said that when he transitions. We don't want to do that. That pisses me off. It really does. When I see people on social media, when celebrities pass and they are just posting content, they're posting their picture. It's all rest in peace, rest in heaven, you know, just sleep well. Where were you? when they were alive. So this is what I firmly believe because, you know, we shared our trauma and, and losing a loved one. And I know for me, if you, if I don't want you to celebrate my wins, if you can't celebrate my losses and also vice versa, I don't want you to celebrate or, you know, just give me some sympathy in my losses when you don't celebrate my wins. It's a real thing. People just live in toxicity. What I've learned is there are a lot of trauma responses. You can ask people a question, they're talking negatively, or once again, when they're sh when when someone passes, every everyone wants to mourn. So when it when it approached uh, my mother's birthday, just let me sh just share a, a quick story. Someone asked me, "Well, what are you going to do to celebrate your mom?" And I said, "Darling, we do this every single day. It's called legacy, legacy maintaining." I don't wait until the anniversary of something to acknowledge. I want to celebrate. I want to acknowledge every single day. That is how you honor someone in their death. 
not once a year. So I need people to really get right and do better. Um, make sure that you head on over to London Brown's Instagram. Um, I believe it's is London underscore is London Brown. I'm not sure, but he is on social media on Instagram. And he has this amazing white tea talk where he's just giving just life lessons from the heart. There's no celebrity um, conversations. It's just this black man just talking from the heart about what he's been through, just trying to make this world a better place. And I do believe that we need more individuals and more conversations like that, especially on social media. And he also said something. I listened to Dr. Umar Johnson, and he said that he specifically or intentionally didn't mention Dr. Umar Johnson's whole name because he didn't want this content to be flagged. It's a shame that when you have content creators who are giving meaningful content, that social media will flag it. They will take it down. But I'm glad that we were able to get into this conversation. I'm also glad that you were able to tune in. Um, so I'm going to close out this conversation. Make sure that you subscribe to Sign On Air, which streams across every major streaming platform. Make sure that you shop using Instacart, using my special Sonya On Air Instacart code. And also make sure that you get yourself some Sonya On Air apparel. Also make sure that you visit my website, www.sonyaonair.net. Also make sure that you follow me on social media, Sonya underscore on air. I'm also on TikTok, like I tell you all, just TikTok is away. So this has been another amazing edition of Sonya On Air with Celeste. Celebrity London Brown, who can be seen as Marvin on the hit Stars series, Raising Pain. And he is also a comedian. You can check out his show. So make sure you go to his social media so you can find out where he will be doing his comedy shows. Um, and I love you so much for watching and tuning in. Thank you, dolls. Smooches. <laughs>